Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of P3 Radio. I'm Richard Mulliken, and I'm joined here by my co-host and best friend, Josh Briley, and we wanted to take a minute to honor one of our good friends, a guy that helped us out when we were first starting out in podcasting, helped me out when I was first starting out in wrestling, a guy that meant a lot to both of us, and a guy that I can honestly say would hate the music selection that we have chosen today. Uh, anything that wasn't hip-hop, trance, or house music, I, I don't think he had an affinity for, but either way, it seemed appropriate as this was used for Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, and when Memphis did their tribute for him, we wanted to start it out for this. We're talking about none other than Brian Christopher, uh, Grandmaster Sexay, and Josh, this is a big episode for us, episode 100, when, de- when we're dedicating it to Brian and who who are we going to be hearing from today? Well, man, we got a star-studded cast today. Headbanger Thrasher Glenn Ruth, Dustin Starr, Spellbinder Del Rios, Dr. Tom Pritchard, Superstar Bill Dundee, Nightmare Danny Davis, Double J Jeff Jarrett, and... Yeah, a lot more. Yeah, I, I just... Honestly, Josh, we wanted to get as many people that knew him or had worked with him... We got a lot of Memphis guys on here that knew him. Uh, Del Rio Spellbinder was one of his best friends, um, and so was Dustin Starr. He was really close with him. And everybody else on that is like an all-star. So we wanted to get their thoughts and their opinions and what they remembered about Brian, like I said. And we're going to start that off with our first interview, and that was with longtime Memphis promoter Randy Hales. Uh, Josh, for those that are not familiar with Randy, could you explain who he is? Well, Randy, he was always close with Memphis Wrestling. He was an announcer for a time. He helped out with booking, and eventually he started running, I think, the production part of Memphis TV at WMC. And after that folded, Randy started up an awesome promotion that would pretty much supplement the the missing Memphis Wrestling. That was Power Pro Wrestling. Power Pro Wrestling, of course, was your developmental de- uh, deal contract with WWE, so they had a lot of guys in and out of there. And Brian was one of the first persons that were called to wrestle by by Randy. Uh, so we're going to start this interview process off with Randy Hales talking about Brian Christopher. Early on, I started going to the Mid-South Coliseum every Monday night. By the way, I appreciate you inviting me, and I always love talking about Brian Christopher Lawler. I first met him probably, I would guess, in 1980, 1981, because I would go from my home in Jonesboro, Arkansas, to the Mid-South Coliseum's matches on Monday nights, and I would sit at the announce table, and I would be co-announcer with the co-ring announcer with Lance Russell. Later, it involved to what it evolved in. But right behind me, in the row right behind me, on the first row Every week was Kevin Lawler and Brian Lawler, and they would come to the matches every Monday night, and we would talk. and And obviously, he was younger than me, uh, not quite ten years younger, but almost. And but I got to know him back at that time, and I knew at the the time this kid has it because he just came across as a tough son of a gun. And he had personality, and he was a loudmouth and a smartass. I don't know if you can say smartass oh, yeah. on television, but all the good things that you need to be a great professional wrestler, I could tell 
uh, in his teenage years, his young teenage years, he was going to be all right. So that's how I first uh, remember meeting Brian Christopher Lawler. When you think of Brian in the Memphis area, what's the first thing that you think of? What's the first feud or match or even a, a, a thing that he did like the gimmick with the Red Wagon? All that stuff is memorable, and I guess I have a couple of uh, favorites. But starting in 1994, we were in a little bit of a pickle because uh, Jerry Lawler had signed with the WWE, and he wasn't full-time. Jeff Jarrett, who'd been the top baby face, or at least the top co-baby face for years, had went to the um, WWE or WWF at the time. And at the same uh, time, we had lost Jerry Jarrett, who had went up to Stanford, Connecticut to go to work for the WWF. So we lost everything. And so it was left to me to make some sense out of it. And I think that uh, that Brian was the thing that made sense. So I think what turned Brian into a main event wrestler, first of all, the fact or main event babyface was the fact uh, that Jeff had left and his dad wasn't full time and we switched him babyface. And I think what his first program where he drew money, and you didn't mention uh, this as the matches, this is what put Brian on the map as somebody who could draw money. There's no doubt about that. And you didn't mention the name Doug Gilbert. Oh, yeah. But the Doug, but the Doug Gilbert. Uh, Brian Christopher matches were absolutely phenomenal. I have some some great memories of Brian uh, with Power Pro Wrestling, and we did some things that were pretty cool with him and Jerry Lawler and Stacy and uh, Sean Stasiak. That is just great. It's hard for me to to just say one thing. I think he is a great, was a great, great, great talent. And in a different time period, because I'm telling you, he was so much better, so much better than a lot of people in the history of Memphis wrestling that drew a lot of money, drew a lot of money. Obviously he was younger, the wrestling business had evolved, but as a top talent, talking workability, charisma, everything. He was absolutely great. And I love watching this stuff today. You know what I'm saying? I've never been at that guy's locker room before and all that kind of stuff. I didn't know that mass wrestlers do not wear their masks in the dressing room. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? So this was like not cool. So right. all the other wrestlers, I'll never forget, Bill Dundee was the one. <laughs> Bill Dundee, so, uh, uh, so me and Tony both got our masks off. So Bill Dundee walks through the dressing room. That's the first day we was ever there. He walks through the dressing room and he says, what do you boys got your uh, masks on for? You know, the show don't start for another hour. Why do you got your masks on? So, oh, well, we just wear our masks. He said, you wear your masks in the dressing room. What, I guess you boy, y'all a couple of Mexican shooters? Huh? We got some Mexican shooters in here. Yeah. Oh, and then, you know, the old, uh, 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 when you get in a stance, this is where the term shoot comes from. 
when you get in a sense and somebody shoots in, you know, Greco Roman style, shoots in and takes your side, takes right. you down to the to, to the ground, you know what I'm saying? So he gets down and stand he's and so he starts smacking his thigh. Come on, Mexican shooters, shoot in, get you some Mexican shooters. <laughs> Shoot, we wore our masks for about a good six months, uh, uh you know, before <laughs> actually uh ever took them off and and the wrestlers knew that uh, you know, who I was. But the people sure didn't know who I was because once I took that mask off I became Brian Christian. See, here, here's the the sad thing. I was a different era from Ryan, so we never rode up and down the road together. I never really, I knew him because of Jerry Lawler. I mean, me and Lawler did a lot of stuff, but Brian was in a different wavelength. I mean, he was 20, 15 years behind us, you know what I mean? Right. So as far as doing stuff with him, I never really did anything. I don't know if I even worked the program with him much. Right. So, um, so the, the 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 generation gap was a kind of in place. Do you have any uh, memories of his matches or anything like that that you saw when he was younger and was just thinking, man, this kid might have something here? Well, I mean, the kid could work. I mean, every, most most of us that get in this business know what they're doing when you get in. You kind of have, I mean, I would the same way, but somebody has to teach you. He had his father to talk to him. I would talk to him. Some of the older guys would say, Brian, this is what you do. You did this wrong, blah, 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 blah. And he would listen and pay attention to you. That's how you learn. Somebody's going to tell you your mistakes. So but as far as being on the same wavelength or the same page, we were on a different page. He was in a different area from me. Right. And, you know, both of you kind of had one thing in common, and that was you guys came up around the 80s and 90s and that era where it was like looked at as like a big man sport. And both of you guys, you know, had to work even harder to get, you know, where you were. Like, that's why I say Bill Dundee was one of the most respected wrestlers in this area. And, you know, your hard work, your dedication, the way you treated the fans and everything like that, you had to claw your way up because it was a big man sport, you know. Um, so that was something. Yeah. Kind of, go ahead. And he was in the same category. I mean, he wasn't a giant either. Right. <laughs> But he could work. I mean, and, and here was the thing about Jerry Jarrett. If he could, if you could work and draw money, he didn't care how big you was. That, that, but Jarrett wasn't a big guy either. And he wrestled him and told you was a tag team around here for years before I got here, me and Barnes in 75. So Tennessee was used to littler guys. So it wasn't like you had to be a, a giant like New York when Vince's dad run the WWF. You had to be a monster to get up there. But BC was very good at what he did, and you know, and yeah, you'll hear horror stories. The man was never disrespectful to me. I can say that. I don't think I've had a crossword with him. Hell, I've never had a crossword with his father. So right, <laughs> it, it, it just he knew what the business was and what was expected of him, and he did it. Yeah, we can all get goofy sometimes. We all go goofy in different times in our life. So yeah, he's done some crazy things, but. When he was around me, he was always very respectful. Ladies and gentlemen, right now we are joined by Dustin Starr. Dustin, it's good to have you here, man. Hey, man. How are you? Oh, man. We're doing good. You know, we wanted to put this little show together as like a tribute to Brian, and uh, we're getting some of the guys that knew him really well to tell their stories, some funny stories, things that make them think of Brian, anything that you want to say about Brian at all. Feel free to use this as your platform. Well, um, first of all, man, I'm really going to miss Brian. I'm glad you're doing this. It seems like everybody's, you know, wanting to talk about Brian Christopher. And, um, you know, we did the same thing on our show on Cerrito Live. It's, it's tough to do, but it's also good to do because 
you know, you want to remember somebody for, you know, the reasons why you love them and the reasons why they were your, your friend, um, you know, and nobody's perfect. And so it's, it's always cool to share really funny stories. And you knew Brian really well too. I mean, you had a good relationship with Brian where you could text and call and all that kind of stuff. And you knew what type of person he was too. But through all of those interviews, even on Cerrito Live, we didn't get to get a real good wedgie story. <laughs> right. 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 And you know as well as I do that anywhere Brian was, whether you were a fan, whether you were one of the boys in the locker room, or whether you were in a wrestling match with Brian Christopher, you were going to get either a big wedgie, you were going to get pantsed, something crazy was going to happen, right? Right, right. And the worst thing to do too is just say, "Hey, hey, Brian, I'd, I'd really not to, like not not to do that spot tonight." Right. If you told Brian <laughs> not to do something, I don't care what it, if it was in the ring, out of the ring, it didn't matter. If you told Brian not to do something, he was going to give you that look. Correct. <laughs> and then when he gave you that look, it was followed by a sly grin and oh, okay, oh, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, see. And whatever it was that you told him not to do, he was going to do it, and it was going to be funny. But right. uh, this one time. I always remember, you know, if Brian tells you to stay there, you know what's coming. Right. Something that's not going to be fun. And in this particular <laughs> night, he gave me a wedgie so bad that he literally ripped my underwear. Ugh. He ripped my underwear out of my tights. All right. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm really selling it big because it's hurting, right. obviously. Uh, he thought it was the funniest thing ever, and the entire rest of the match, I'm I'm trying to pick out what's left of my underwear because it's very uncomfortable. So we get to the locker room. I'm like, oh man, I tore my underwear. <laughs> so he starts telling a story that no, I didn't. They already had holes in them anyway. No, and so everybody <laughs> in the locker room was laughing that they thought I already had holy underwear, and that's why they were just torn apart when 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 Brian did it. But you know as well as I do, Brian would give you a wedgie so hard. He would try to rip them or, you know, it was just funnier that way. Right. Um, and I love the fact that yesterday you were, you were talking about, because, you know, we'd been on a few road trips with Brian and the the fact that you would get to a place and be extremely late uh, and because you've had to make all these stops for little certain things out, out of the way. And by the time you get there, you're like four hours late. And then he would go, oh, man, I don't know what's wrong with this driver. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so typical, typical road trip with Brian is you go pick him up whatever you probably have to wait on him because he's not ready right finally hops in the car hey man let's go tan what we gotta be at the show oh man let's 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 go tan come on alan take care of us so we go by he would get a spray tan and he would have to lay down a tan (laughs) so we're there over an hour and you know we've got a you know two-hour trip wherever we're going then hey man let's get something to eat dude we got to get to the show (laughs) i I told this story he would order multiple meals off of the drive through line and never touch no, any of it. not at all. Never touch any of it. And then he's like, man, we're going to be late. It's like, what do you mean we're going to be late? Bell time's already happened. He's like, got to get there. Heaven forbid if you have traffic because you know what's coming. Right. There's no such thing as touching the brakes on the interstate. That's what Brian would always tell me. So we, he, he taught me that the shoulder of the interstate was actually the wrestler lane. <laughs> and... <laughs> Given Brian's driving record, I I don't know if it's a good idea, so I do not condone it, but he did have me take the wrestler lane. So we would pull off on the side of the shoulder if there was traffic and we would drive. And actually, it wasn't even really just the interstate. It was anywhere. Right. 
but uh, on the interstate, you do not put your foot on the brake. And uh, we took the wrestler lane, and I was nervous the whole time. And I was thinking, what am I going to tell the police <laughs> when they pull us over? What in the world am I going to tell them? Well, I tell you, but that was that. That's yeah. Uh, hey, but uh, hey, wait. Yeah. Well, we're not even there yet. When we get to the show, <laughs> that's when he goes in and throws you under the bus. But th- it was your fault that the driver drove too slow, and right. you're like, oh man. So I think there was a show that I worked. Um, and you you were there. Uh, I wrestled Stan Lee, who, by the way, is one of my favorite wrestlers ever. Good friend of mine. Congratulations to him getting yeah. married. Um, but I happened to ride with Jerry, Jerry Lawler, yeah. uh, Brian Christopher, and Jerry Lawler's mother at the time. Huh. Uh, she was she was still living. So we we I don't know how I ended up in that car other than you know just I guess being buddies with Brian. But we made it to the building extremely late. I walk in with brian and jerry and dundee is hot he is hot god damn it kid where you been <laughs> and i look over like hey i was riding with king and brian he didn't care i right. don't care get dressed you're on first it was like instant heat like first of all what are you doing with them Second of all, I don't care who you're with. You're supposed to be in the ring right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, so it's always heat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that reminds me, and like I said, I'll make this a quick story, but that reminds me, I was 18, very sheltered, very sheltered in life. And it was 2002. I had been in wrestling for about three months and Brian saw me working. I was working under a mask at the time and Brian saw me working and he asked uh, my trainer at the time, Kevin, he said, Hey, um, how long has that big guy been working? He said, uh, about two, three months. And he's like, well, uh, he, has he always worn the mask? Yeah, he's always worn the mask. Great. Uh, I got a thing I want to do with him. So he told my, my trainer, he told Kevin, he said, hey, um, I want to take him to Nashville with me. That was when NWA TNA was filming at the fairgrounds. He goes, right. I, I made many trips there. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, he told yeah. me he was like, uh, I want to take him, put him in the front row as a fan. And I don't want to tell anybody, anybody about you know that i'm gonna do this he goes uh so this is what he had me do so i go and pick him up just like you said i sat there for a good two hours in his driveway waiting oh man (laughs) uh kevin calls me and goes hey uh if you don't mind he said could you run while he's still getting ready he's got to dye his hair uh could you run down and pick up his yeah and we're like it's like 12 o'clock we're supposed to be in nashville at two it's 12 o'clock there's no way we're gonna make it so right. I, he's like, well, if you don't mind, save some time. Will you go pick up his dry cleaning for him? He's already paid for it. Just It's right down the road. So I go do that, come back. Oh my he opens up the the garage door. He's like, come on in, come on in, come on in. I'm like, what do you mean come on in? It's like 1030 right now. So we go in and he's telling me, he's like, so I don't really want to work tonight. <laughs> he's like, oh, man. but uh, I'm working this angle. I'm working. Uh, I'm working. Uh, I can't remember who he said he's working, but he's like, I took this power bomb two weeks ago, and I, you know, I want to. I want to make this. I want to make this an angle. I took this power bomb from Road Dog through the table, and I hurt my neck, but I didn't really hurt my neck. But I want to make an angle out of it, and they're not want to do it. Blah blah blah. So we go through about you know thirty minutes of him and Han. And we finally get on the road. We go pick up Kevin. And all the way there, he's telling me what I'm going to do. He's going to beat me up, pull me over the rail, whatnot. And uh, he goes, and the big important part is I want you to take your phone and you're going to call the cops and report that a wrestler has just beat you up. <laughs> he goes, oh, I go, oh my God. I go, what? And he goes, yeah, you're going you're gonna to call the cops and you're going to say I was just ins- assaulted by Brian Lawler at the fairgrounds. Okay? I was like, 
what if that what what if what if they <laughs> you know what if they catch me yeah. you know, this is an angle he goes oh worst to happen they'll give you a misdemeanor <laughs> oh. so so we go through all of this he call uh, kevin calls me 2 minutes cuz i'm freaking out kevin calls me 2 minutes before the spot happens and goes don't call the cops don't call the cops yeah He's like, they've already told Brian if he's willing to go to jail for an angle, we'll do it later. Oh man, I, I will tell tell you and, and everybody listening that um, Brian reminded me a lot of Del Rios, the Spellbinder, just in the how generous he was oh, yes. and how um, how cool he was. Even though you know Brian was a wild character, don't get me wrong, man. I've got stories that would, you know, oh my gosh, you know, you you wouldn't believe. Right. But when you got in the car, Brian would fill the car up with gas. Right. Uh, Brian would pay for food, yep. and then when we, when we got back into town, he would fill your tank back up with gas. And there was not many guys that were veterans no. that would take care of the younger guys like that. And at the time, you know, I was one of the young guys just trying to trying to trying to get in, you know. And uh, he took good care of me. And you mentioned misdemeanor, and this is a story <laughs> I don't know if I should really tell it. We we can edit around <laughs> but, whatever. Yeah. No, it's it's fine. But I've <laughs> never gone to jail. Okay. I've never been arrested right. my entire yeah. life, yep. um, but I did have to report to get booked and mugshotted, I guess. Was, is that what they call when they take your picture? Right, I yeah. don't even know. But Brian Christopher was the reason that that happened, but he's also the reason that I didn't get taken to jail. And it was just a traffic thing. We might have been taking the wrestler lane. I don't know. But <laughs> at the time, Brian was uh, very, very popular at the time, um, very well known anywhere he went. It was nothing to be at the club and Brian would dance and then his pants would fall down and everybody would oh, laugh at him. He'd pull him back up, you know, do his <laughs> do his gimmick. But uh, this time the police officer, you know, there was some sort of issue with my license or a ticket or something like that. And he saw Brian and he popped. And then that kind of saved me. He's like, hey, man, just switch seats. I'll give you this ticket. You got to report, get your picture made. Okay, cool. So everything was thrown out and everything. But right. It was the reason I, we, that it happened was Brian Christopher, and the reason also I got out of it was because of Brian Christopher. <laughs> the one that I would say out of everybody that really, really uh, taught me the most, and it was, I mean, taught me in the ring, doing an angle, you know what I'm saying? Because if you had an angle with somebody, you, you know, like I said, I, you would have to wrestle them six days a week. You know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, uh, one of the ones that I wrestled for a long period of time, like months, was Dr. Tom Pritchard. That's where I really, really learned uh, the ins and outs of the wrestling business. I got to tell you, man, when I uh, first met Brian, I don't know what run it was I had in Memphis, but uh, I was booked uh, to work with him against, booked to work with him in Louisville, Kentucky. And a couple of people have told me, this guy's got a really bad attitude, man. He just, he's, he's not, not a real good kid. Well, I didn't believe that. I saw that he had talent, and I took him aside uh, in Louisville and said, Brian, nobody likes you. Let's, let's go out there and show these guys you can work. All I'm asking is that you trust me and just listen to me. I'm not going to eat you up. I don't want to take advantage of you, but I want to show them that you can work. And he got this startled look on his face. But we went out there. And he did listen. I was the heel. He was a baby face, I think, at that time. And we had a great match. And from then forward, we had a program. And I believe he trusted me from that day on because I wasn't out to get him. But there was a lot of people. I think he had a chip on his shoulder. Of course, he had a, 
had a, a pair of big shoes to fit. And I can't imagine, or actually I can't, I can only imagine what it would be like to grow up uh, w- with your father being not just a great wrestler, but being the king uh, in wrestling. So, you know, Brian was, was pretty misunderstood, I think, when he first started out. And once you got to know him, once I got to know him anyway, I found that he really did love the business. He was he could be pretty engaging. He could be pretty funny. He could uh, uh, he could be a really good guy. But I think in the in the beginning he had this defensive mechanism that uh, hit people the wrong way. But you know that's that's that was survival mode, and and that was my first impressions of him. Man, it's like uh, uh, he just he just wanted to make sure he had his guard up and. Uh, I wanted to fight for what he believed in. What would be one of your favorite memories or favorite matches with Brian? Uh, we had a match, I think, in the uh, – it was a – well, I know it was a Mid-South Coliseum, Carr versus Carr. And um, his girlfriend actually drove his car into the building as well. And I, I was walking over uh, with a drink, and I was trying to get her to, to, to close the window or, or – yeah, the window was down, but I didn't want to throw the drink in it. But once I got there, I had to do something, and I I went to throw it. Uh, I think I hit the door. I got some in the window, some inside. But you know, then Brian attacked me. That that was a good match in in the Mid South Coliseum, Memphis. Uh, and then I had some good times with Brian in in all of our matches because I think once again he understood. Uh, I wasn't there to take advantage. I wasn't there to eat him up at that stage of my life, um, especially in Memphis and especially seeing younger guys. I wanted to help those guys as much as some of the older guys helped me when I was coming up. So, And I also I, I had a feeling for what Brian was going through because, once again, your dad is a superstar. And you come in, and you're going to the gym. You're working out hard. You're you're busting your rear end to to make it in the business. And uh, people are going to look at you different. People are going to compare you, and people want to want to take advantage, and people want to knock you off that uh, high horse, so to speak. And and again, you can only imagine what his life was like growing up under uh, or in the shadow of a uh, Lawler. So, uh, and, and I can understand. Sometimes we say stuff and we forget we're being recorded or forget we're being uh, uh, we're on the record and you, you kind of say stuff the way you feel. And Brian could be very passionate. You're right. He wears uh, heart on his sleeve, his feelings on his sleeve, and uh, that's that's not always the, <laughs> the best way to to present yourself. You know, you say some things you 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 feel strongly about, or you say some things about somebody that. You know, you're just kind of talking, and then all of a sudden, it it becomes uh, uh, it becomes record, public record. So, I get that. Yeah. Do you think you know? And and everybody can pretty much be in agreement here that Brian was one of the most, I would dare say, underrated wrestlers. You know, he made it to WWE and some of the bigger places, but you know, when he got there, it was like I don't know. I mean, he was tag team champions, but. Really, he was better, I think, than where he made it. Do you think that might have been his size? Do you think it might have been his own doing? Do you think it might have been some pressure from where who his dad was? What do you think kind of held him back on that next level? Uh, once you get 
to a place like WWE, you have to understand all the mechanisms that have to go in place and all the other elements. I tell people when I train uh, guys these days or anytime that what you do in the ring is really a minor, minor percentage of what really matters. It's really the backstage, the uh, uh, unseen political climate, so to speak. We can we can try and mask it and pretend it doesn't exist, but it does. Um, and you have to be able to get along and manipulate and work with people otherwise you're not you're not going to be uh included the way you necessarily want to be and i'm not saying brian wasn't included right. the way he wanted to be but at, at the same time you're right you there there were elements um in play i think right. with brian that might have been partially his doings uh but partially the fact that when you get in that atmosphere, when you get in that climate, you, you have to read the room when you walk in. And, and uh, sometimes Brian did. Sometimes I don't think he did. And um, I'm just as guilty because it, you you have to play the game. Right. And that's, that is a fact of life, not just in wrestling, but anywhere you go. And I don't know that Brian uh, necessarily wanted to uh, – uh, play the game like like he should have. Uh, I remember him. You know, uh, he. I don't remember who he was working with, but it was for the uh, light heavyweight cha- uh, championship one time, and they hit him with a belt, and it, it clipped his ear pretty good. Uh, but he wasn't mad about it. It's it's just the fact that he came back and and uh, he took it. And I don't know if he got mad at the guy. I don't. When I saw him, it was it was bloody. He he wasn't mad about the the year. I think he was just mad about the fact that uh, the guy. I can't remember who he was working with either. It, it, I don't think it was Scotty. I don't think it was McNoche or uh, anyway. I just think he was mad because the guy didn't protect him, right? Or upset. And what I'm trying to say is he wasn't mad personally. The guy was just that I think he was mad because he wasn't protected. And nothing happened after that. I'm just, uh, there's some things when you're in that climate, when you're in that environment, you have to understand it's, uh, it can be pretty treacherous road that you have to maneuver. And, and that's, that's what I think happened with Brian there. It's, it's, it's a ongoing 24 seven job in WWE or a bigger company. And you have to be thinking about, uh, everything all the time, how you're perceived, who you say hello to the way you say hello to them. Did you say good morning? Did you, right. did you comb your hair? Did you eat the right, uh, you know, just unstoop, uh, unspeakable, crazy stuff sometimes that happens in life. Okay. Well, you mentioned, earlier about the car and throwing the liquid in and everything. Uh, is there any other funny stories or ribs that you can remember Brian playing, uh, that stand out in your mind? Uh, we always like to ask that question because we always like the kind of lighter side of the ring. Uh, Brian, I know when he was on, he talked about his rides with Owen Hart, pulling the e-brake on him, the handbrake. Uh, is there anything like that that you can recall either on the road or in the ring that Brian did that stands out in your mind? You know, right now I can't. I really can't because uh, I, I 
pretty much dealt with Brian at the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the last time I saw Brian, he, he booked a show in uh, the casino. I guess that's in Mississippi mm-hmm. or right across right across from Memphis. Right. And Wolfie, Wolfie D and I, and I remember him running the show, uh, and he just he, he was he was in his element. And he did everything as a pro, but I don't remember any ribs, so to speak, because I never really rode with him. And I just, he was only, I had a good laugh with him at, at the building a couple times. Again, once, once you got past that exterior, um, wall, he, he was a pretty funny guy. So, I mean, I can see that. I can see Owen pulling break on him too. I can just, <laughs> I, I can, I can see him having a good time. He he had a good time with uh, Rikishi and Scotty as well. And that was um, that was a hell of a time too. I mean, just when he was in WWE. Let's go back to that. I think he did have a good time when he was off. But once again, uh, you know, that was when he was around people he was comfortable with and could could let his hair down, so to speak, and have a good time with and and relate to. But you also have to relate to the people who make the decisions. So, anyway, no, I, I wish I did because it'd make for a better uh, interview and promo, but I don't. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. Uh, usually when I put people on the spot like that, you know, I can't think of something funny. It's kind of like telling a comic, tell me a joke, you know. Uh, those yeah. things just kind of have to pop in your head, and that's completely fine. But uh, I tell you, what do you think after all of this, you know, Brian wrestling from what he's told us when since he was 16 uh, up until his last few days of wrestling – what do you hope that people remember about Brian? And what is something that you're going to remember about Brian when you hear his name? His passion, his passion for the business. Brian did have a passion for wrestling. Uh, you have to have a passion for this to be good at it. And Brian was actually great at it. He went to the gym. He, he, he knew the elements for success and he accomplished what he set out to do. Uh, if for anything else, his feeling, his timing, his ability to go out and uh, put himself out there. You have to be vulnerable. You have to make a connection. And I think Brian did that when he walked, when he stepped in the ring. From his laugh to the um, to his strut, uh, you know, not everybody can do that and feel comfortable with it. That was Brian. He had that confidence, but he also had that. In uh, that vulnerability, that he was ready to fight you, he was ready to snap at any time, and that's living on the edge. And uh, that's the thing I think I'll remember about Brian the most, and everybody else should know. One time, I had a uh, did an angle with somebody. I think it was Danny Davis, not here, Danny Davis. And uh, so on TV, it was going to be a hair versus hair. Brian Christopher didn't want to put his hair on at stake, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, but Brian Christopher would put his manager's hair at stake, you know what I'm saying? So then, right. Monday night comes, I wind up losing the match. So my manager gets his head shaved. So then we had to go back and and do uh, different videos because I had to shave. I had to have a different manager in each different city right. and uh, for them to get their head shaved. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I wind up having about five, five managers uh, that wound up being bald-headed. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> When Brian Christopher start, first broke into business, um, he uh, he was tasked to uh, actually 
uh, work with me um, a lot around the territory back in the day. And uh, for those who who know me or know anything about my uh, career in wrestling, I was kind of stiff and uh, made, made everything look real. There was no question about anything I did. So needless to say, I uh, kind of wore Brian out after about the first couple of weeks. And then one night he came to me. We were in Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, he came to me and said, ah, man, my my... <laughs> My knee hurts, you know, so let's, you know, let's try to stay away from my knee. He says, my chest is really killing me from all the all chops, so please, please don't do that. And I said, okay, don't worry about it. So I, I, I immediately go to Lawler and I say, hey, your kid's wussing out on me. <laughs> so one thing led to another. Lawler said, make him a man. So that night in Memphis, Tennessee, the first thing I did was kick him in the knee Bust open his chest with a chop, make him bleed, and made him fight me. I, I made him a man. So that's my Brian Christopher story. And he, um, he did real good for himself. Then, you know, a lot of guys in the business, unfortunately, have demons they have to deal with. And, uh, uh, you know, I can't explain it. Don't know why, because I never had to deal with those. And it's, it's you know, it's a you know, sad thing. But that was my Brian Christopher story. And so there you go. Right now, we've got Glenn Ruth. You might know as Headbanger Thrasher. He's been on our show before. I know when I put this out, Glenn, um, what we were doing was we were trying to just get positive stories. And I noticed that, you know, you had commented that you had known, like on Twitter, you had commented that you'd known Brian your whole wrestling career. And that was one thing that I was like, oh, wow, yeah. You know, now that I think back, you know, with you in Memphis and you doing your stuff there, you, you were bound to run into him a lot, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was funny because when I first started wrestling, Jerry Lawler, his father, used to come up to, uh, you know, to New Jersey and stuff like that, and he used to do shows for Larry. So Jerry always told me, he goes, you know, whenever you want to come down to Memphis, you know, give me a call, and, you know, I'll, I'll get you in down there. I never wanted to go down, you know, by myself. I was nervous and stuff like that. So as soon as me and Chaz started tagging, you know, we went down there as the Spiders. And, you know, Brian, you know, was one of the first ones that we uh, we saw when we went into uh, you know, Saturday morning TV and stuff like that. Um, really didn't, you know, talk that much because we were kind of, you know, quiet. It was our first territory and everything else. But the one funny story that I, that I have, and I still remember to this day, is uh, we were in Nashville, Tennessee, and Nashville... The, the, the locker rooms were on two totally different ends of the arena. So we were in there and, you know, with all the baby faces and stuff like that. And we're sitting in there and talking, you know, after our match and, and stuff like that. And, you know, you hear, I'm too for, you know, Brian Christopher's music comes on. <laughs> right. I'm too sexy song and everything else. And he looks up and he's like, shit, that's my music. We're like, yeah, Brian, that's your music. He goes, huh. He said, oh, you're getting dressed now. They played that goddamn song at least four times before he got dressed <laughs> and, and went out there. You know, it was just funny and stuff like that. And, you know, the different times that, you know, being on the road, we always stayed at the same hotels. When we left uh, Louisville and, and stuff like that. When we did the loops. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of memories with Brian and stuff like that from USWA. And, and then once we, uh, you know, got signed with Vince and everything else, you know, and then he came up. You know when they started doing the cruiserweights and stuff like that. And the one thing with Brian is, is, is he always had a smile on his face and a, 
and he was always there to follow it up with that laugh that he has and stuff like that. You know, um, I remember those memories with Brian and, and, you know, wrestling too much before it came too cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, him and Scotty were, they were actually called too much before, uh, they, they hooked up with Rakishi and stuff like that. Um, so we wrestled him and, and Scotty a lot, you know, with WWF and, 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 uh, and whatnot. And, and uh, I, I always remember we, we always had a good time. We always had good matches with them and stuff like that. Uh, you know, he's going to be missed and, uh, and everything else. And just, it's just way too young and, and it's just sad. Wrestling, it's a brotherhood. And no matter how many times that you run into somebody or you have interactions with them, when there's, there's a passing like, like we've had and stuff like that, it, it, it hurts. I mean, it, it hits you like a family. I spent the weekend with, uh, the Godfather, uh, Charles Wright, Papa Shango, Kama, you know, whatever you want to call him. Right. We just, we sat back and, and we, we reminisced. We wrestled in Evansville, Indiana. It was so weird because it was the same. We wrestled in the same place that we used to wrestle at with, with Jerry Lawler for the USWA. <laughs> right. And we just sat there. We went out to dinner. And we, we reminisced about the, the days and stuff like that that we did and, and all the things that – and all the great wrestlers that have been through Evansville, Indiana, Louisville, Kentucky, you know, Nashville, Tennessee, Memphis – you know, you just think about all the people that have run through that area. And then you think in the same respect, how many of them are, are, are not with us anymore. Right. It's just, it, it, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It, I know I keep saying that and I keep going back to it, but it, I, I don't, I can't explain it any other way. I mean, it's like, you know, I, we have friends that are just, that, that aren't here anymore. Right. What do you what do you suppose was the last time you you remember seeing Brian at a show or was you, was it in Memphis? I, we we actually saw Brian. We were out and we did a show. We did a convention and then we did a show right after that. It, I guess it was uh, maybe three years ago, mm-hmm. but it was so funny because Brian comes in, you know, his normal weight. Um, <laughs> that was the Brian Christopher way. Um, he, he came to the show as the show started, um, came in, had a hell of a story. Why, uh, um, did he put it on the driver? Did he put the heat on the yeah, driver for being late? Always, always. <laughs> um, it was never, it was never Brian's fault. It was that goddamn car. It was that goddamn guy he was with or, or, or something, but it was just, it was so nice. I mean, we sat and we talked. Uh, we talked about, you know, the things that we, we did back in, in when we started. Um, you know, we asked about Jerry and how he was. But he seemed very, very together. You know, he seemed happy. Um, Brian always seems happy. That, that was the thing with Brian. He always had a smile on his face. I don't think I can ever remember, except when he got pissed off at something. Right. And, then that smile would go away. <laughs> and you would know when Brian was pissed off. Here's one story because now you're talking and now I'm remem- remembering hey, stuff. Fine. We used to travel with the Rotten Brothers, Ian and Axel Rotten, mm-hmm. when they were down in Memphis. So we all used to afford used to drive together, and we used to have to amuse ourselves. So what we would do is we would buy a a whole bag of of water balloons and we would fill them up and we would keep them in the back seat. <laughs> and if we were going down, you know, 40 or the interstate or or whatever, 
you know, going to either to Louisville or Nashville or something like that. We would have water balloon fights with, with the boys and stuff like that. And I believe it was Spellbinder and Brian driving together. I think they we were going to Nashville and they had their windows down. And I think we bombarded them and got them soaking <laughs> wet. And I think Brian really fucking screamed at us when we got to Nashville. <laughs> I think that was the only time you see the, the more I'm thinking about it. He was like, you sons of bitches. I can't believe it. You know, but it wasn't like, like he was like really, really mad at us. He was like, I can't believe you guys did that. That right. was hysterical. You know, because that's <laughs> what we used to do. We used to drive up and down the road and we used to, you know, we used to throw water balloons and stuff like that. Um, you know, at the, at the other cars, because everybody used to leave at the same time and mm. show up at the same time. We all traveled like, it was like a pack of wolves. <laughs> we would all come in together. We would all leave together and stuff like that. So I do remember, I think we got, uh, um, I think we got uh, your apprentice too one time too. With the <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, right now we are joined by a good friend of ours and probably one of Brian's best friends in and out of the business. You might know him as Fantasio. You might know him as Spellbinder. Uh, but we know him as Del Rios. Del, thanks for being on to talk a little bit about Brian with us. Ah, no problem at all, brother. You know, you, Richard, anything, man. Well, we, uh, we've talked to a bunch of people uh, on here, and uh, there is nobody out there, I think, that knew Brian as well as you did. And what was one well, of the first uh, times did you remember meeting Brian uh, in or out of the ring? Man, uh, I met Brian the first day I came into USWA, I had signed with WWE, which was WWF at the time. And, uh, they loved the character and they loved the look I had. They just wanted me to get a little bit more experience. So they said, Hey, we're going to put you under contract and we're going to send you out to Jerry Lawler's company, USWA in Memphis, Tennessee. And, you know, we'll pay you there. And when you're ready, you'll be ready. But my first day, which was a Saturday morning TV, I met Brian. And uh, I didn't know he was Jerry Lawler's son, but I, I knew one thing. He was he was a cocky, cocky <laughs> guy, which I thought to myself, man, this guy, you know, he, he'll get on your nerves. And uh, I kind of stayed away from him, man, in the beginning. You know, I uh, I, I really hung out with Mike Anthony, PG-13. Uh, and, yeah, it was Mike Anthony, PG-13, which, you know, <laughs> that was uh, another, another show. But um, about... Two, three weeks into it, man, uh, Brian just happened to call me. I was at my hotel room, and Brian just happened to call me and ask me, you know, what I was training that day. And, uh, you know, it kind of caught me off guard. You know, I had already realized that he was considered the office. He wasn't considered one of the boys because he was Jerry Lawler's son. And, uh, you know, the boys wanted the boys to stick with the boys. And anybody that was in the office, they kind of wanted to shun away. And But, you see, the thing about me was I didn't drink, I didn't smoke after the shows, I didn't go to bars, I didn't go do anything. And Brian was the same exact way. So we met at the gym, and you know, we worked out. Next thing you know, we went to eat. Then we met at the show that night, and then he said, what are you training tomorrow? I mean, and that just from that blossomed, you know, the, us being practically like brothers because once we started riding together, 
he spent more time with me and I spent more time with him than we spent with our own wives and, you know, and, that, and, and girlfriends at the time, because I was the best man at his wedding. He was the best man at mine. You know, he, Monday we were at the Mid-South bangs, but we trained and ate that day. And then we went to the Mid-South Tuesday. We would meet early in the morning, go eat and uh, go to the gym and then meet his, meet his dad to go to the Louisville garden. Uh, we stayed over in Louisville. We wake up in the morning, go eat, go to the gym again, be in Evansville, Indiana. Then Thursday was a spot show somewhere, where it, whether it was in Indiana, Kentucky, Nashville, wherever. We would do it all over again. And this was six, seven days a week, you know, for for, for weeks at a time. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, I, I, I knew Brian at a level where really no one else, you know, knew Brian. You know what I mean? We would have conversations. I, you know, I knew the things that bothered him. I knew the things that, you know, that he cared about, the things that he didn't care about, things he hated. The same thing with me, you know what I mean? We, Like I said, we were practically like brothers. If, we, if, we, if it wasn't because we didn't have the same mother or father, we would, we would be brothers. Right. Well, you guys spent a lot of time, like you said, on the road. And yes. you guys, you guys were tag teams. You guys were facing off against each other. And I know you, you guys had a lot of historic moments, especially on Memphis TV. Yeah. One comes to mind the power. I think we talked about it earlier um, when we talked to you last time. The the segment, you know, where you dressed up as Tommy Rich and and Doug Gilbert, and and the funny oh, things. Oh yeah. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, uh, Richard. It's funny you say that. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but the other day, my wife and I, she had, she was watching, she was looking at some things on YouTube, and all of a sudden, she said one of my old older videos popped up from like 2005 when I was like 300 pounds, and she had to, sh- and then she said, "You got to see yourself here." I mean, and so we're watching. And I'm thinking to myself, "Oh my God, you know, what? I couldn't believe I was doing that to myself." You know what I mean? But <laughs> right. under it, there was a couple of interviews and they were shoot interviews and under there was a Doug Gilbert shoot interview in which he was talking. They asked him about that particular incident, you know, and then the guy, I mean, Doug, I mean, and I consider him a friend, I guess. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I looked at this video and this was practically the day before yesterday. Then I look at this and he starts saying that it, the whole thing was mine and Brian's idea and that, you know, the problem was with him, but he took it out on Lawler. And, and this and that and the other. And, you know, I had nothing to do. You know, we, all we did was, you know, what we were told to do. You, you know what I mean? And, and I mean, listen, it, it, I watched the video again, and I'm sorry, you know what I mean? But it was hysterical. It was hilarious. It was a parody of Doug and Tommy, and, and it was funny. And I thought we I thought we did a heck of, heck of a job. And a matter of fact, Jerry, you know, I talked to Jerry afterwards after we did that. And that's when he wasn't on the show, and he said that was probably of all the matches, of all everything, that was probably the best thing in the whole show. My co-host, uh, it was over with us. I don't know how long we went around, you know, doing the. Did somebody say something about firing it up? No, no, Tommy, <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah. said anything, and it was over with us. Yeah. I mean, we thought it was hilarious, and uh, but. I mean, that was one funny moment we saw on camera. Is there any funny moments or any ribs that you can think of that Brian played in the back that stick out in your mind? Oh, well, listen, man, I don't know if you but there was a video uh, 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 Saturday morning where Brian, myself, and Kevin Lawler, we dressed up in a shirt tied black and white, and we showed up in a limousine, and it was like we were, we were coming back from Doug and Tommy's funeral. And... uh 
you know, Brian, you know, Brian was a clown, man. He liked to have fun and stuff like that. And uh, he started doing a shoot serious interview with Dave Brown. And I promise you, Richard, you could see me in the back just clenching my teeth and like just like uh, like folding my lips in because I wanted to blurt out hysterically laughing because Brian was just hysterical over the whole thing. You know what I mean? He was just right. funny, but he was, you know, he was shooting on Doug. He was actually shooting on Doug because, you know, and don't get me wrong. I love Doug. You know what I mean? I spent 20 years on the road with him too, but you know, Doug didn't go to WWE. Go, uh, Doug didn't go to WCW, but he claimed he was going to go and do this. And, and Brian was, you know, shooting on him saying, you know, I finally realized why I had never been to WWE, and I finally realized why, I, why I've never been to WCW, and that's because I truly suck, and I'm living off my brother's coattails. Oh, I mean, wow. stuff like that. He was shooting on him, and it was just, it was just funny. You know what I mean? To me, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, but Brian going off like that. Yeah, I mean, you know? and that was a little bit before its time because I don't think at that time you had had like DX parroting Nation of Domination. You didn't have these people dressing no. up like the other the other team and making fun of them like they were them. You'd always have somebody come right. out dressed as them, or maybe you'd find a little person and put them in the same outfit and beat them up. But, I mean, right. it was before right. its time. Any road stories you can share that you can think of? Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's you know, that, those are crazy, Richard. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, yeah, I, was, I could probably be here till next month yeah. telling you all kinds of stories, man. I think we've all been on some... Rides with Brian that started in one place and it was supposed to start at a certain time and it always ended up you were late. <laughs> Are you? <hurt? laughs> oh yeah, man. I mean, there was one. There was one time that uh, ended up being a fantastic time. It was hilarious, but I mean, you know, Brian and Jerry Lawler, whenever they rode in separate cars, they would have fights on the road. Where they would throw food at each other. So one night. We were coming from Evansville, Indiana. We had to drive back to Memphis that night. It was me and Scovon Crush, uh, uh, Vito, uh, uh, yeah. in one car, and then Jerry Lawler and Brian were in a burgundy van. And, it, man, it was about maybe eight degrees outside. They left before us, and Vito and I, we were driving. And, man, I don't know why I looked over to my right, but I looked, they, 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 uh, a car before us, I guess shined the headlights on that van, and they was like, like, like behind some trees, quiet. And I thought to myself, man, what are they doing over there? Maybe they got some girl in there or something. I don't know, you know. And I just, all of a sudden, it dawned on me. I went, oh, I said, Vito, Vito, get off on this exit. Get off on this exit right here. He's looking at me like, what are you talking about? I said, get off on this exit. And uh, we went to get off on the exit. We went to the gas station. Boom, they drove up, and they threw, like, some banana peels at us and some orange peels and stuff like that, and they all oh, they're laughing and stuff like that. And I said, okay. So I ran in the gas station, and I bought two dozen of eggs. And I said, all right, Vito, catch up to them because this, this is going to be over with right here. So he said, okay, because he was with it. Now, anyway, we're driving. <laughs> Richard, I'm going to tell you, man, they ran a lot of stuff to throw at us, but – it was so cold, and we were driving, that whenever we passed up on them, I would throw the egg, and it would flat on the van and automatically freeze. And it was, <laughs> we'd almost reckless twice, hysterically laughing. The van, I had 24 eggs, and I hit that van about 17 times with the eggs. The eggs, I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it was insane. Anyway, at one point, Brian, he had something in his hand ready to throw. They were right 
just in front of us, and I told Vito, slow down, slow down. You know, if he throws it, we'll, have, we'll be able to get out of the way. Anyway, I, went, I saw a bunch of papers, like, fluttering all over the place towards us. And I went, oh, they don't got anything now. They, 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 run, <laughs> they just throw a paper now. Brian has $600 in his pocket oh. and it flew out of his pocket. I mean, it, that's the type of thing. I mean, that's the type of ride it was, man. Right. You know what I mean? The next day, the next day, Jerry comes over and he goes, come here, come here. He's like, you know, like he's working me, but like, you know, try, trying to be serious. And he goes, man, I can't believe you did that to us. I said, what? I said, if I didn't do it, you would have. He said that he had to spend $200 professionally detailing that van because they ran it through the car wash three times and the egg would, wouldn't come off. That's how I'm saying that. But I mean, and, 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 you know, <laughs> to be honest with you, Richard, without, without getting X-rated, <laughs> that's one of the cleanest uh, road trips I can tell you. Cause you know, I mean, the, the rest you'd have to, you'd have to be bleeping all kinds of stuff out, man. But I'm talking about this is not just, you know, I just didn't ride with Brian, you know, USWA. You know, right. we, when we went to WWE, we rode together as well all over the place. You know what I mean? So right. we, we we had a ball. You know what I mean? Brian, you know, Brian was a great guy, um, you know, on the road as a professional. It was later on that, you know, people started seeing the, the Brian that I didn't know at all myself at the time. Right. What do you think Brian's legacy will be? What do you hope people remember him for? I want them. To, I want them to remember Brian. Brian was one of the most intelligent human beings I've ever met. He was very studious. He he he, he knew what he was talking about. He was very, you know, uh, he was a very deep individual. He was probably way ahead of his time as far as talent. Did he? He he was, you know, he. You named the best worker, and he was right there with him. You know what I mean? Right. And he can take one little situation and turn it into something grand. Um, unfortunately, alcohol and drugs can change a person and change their whole uh, character. And that's exactly what happened with Brian. But the people that, that knew him before all that mess, the people that knew him before he got caught up in all that situation, they know what I'm talking about. And they knew Brian, you know, at, at the end of the day. And Brian was the type of guy... He didn't want you to think he'd do anything for you, but he'd do anything for you. Right. You know what I mean? And and that's what I want everybody to know. If, if anybody got a, a little glimpse of of what I uh, what I learned with Brian, what I experienced with Brian, then they were a blessed person. Owen Hart was one of the best rivers of all time. You know what I'm saying? Oh, he, he might be the best river of all time. Anyway, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you, uh, the, the one he pulled on me, uh, I had just started uh, up in WWE, and it was my first trip to Detroit. And so Owen comes up to me and he said, well, who you, uh, who you making the shots with? I said, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, he said, well, I'm by myself. Let's, let's, you know, what's me and you doing? I said, all right. He said, okay, well, uh, go over there to um, the Hertz and get the uh, Monte Carlo or whatever it was. So we get, you know, he said, oh, you, you know, so now we go get the car. We, why don't you drive uh, uh, tonight and then I'll drive tomorrow. Blah, blah. Uh, we get in the car. We get on that uh, straight away. He said, let's see what it'll do. Come on. Give us something. Let's see what it'll do. So I, you know, crank it up. We're doing about 85. He said, oh, come on now. Let's go, go. Well, we'll get up to about 90. You know what I'm saying? Right over 90. I got floored, right? We're getting it going real good. Next thing I know, he freaking pulls the emergency brake. He had picked out a car. Boom, oh, pulls the emergency brake right there. We start, I mean, we spun. Oh, I thought I was going to die. It was great. <laughs> 
gosh, we have Jeff Jarrett, WWE Hall of Famer, on the line right now. Jeff, when I was a kid, I wasn't able to get Channel 5 for about a year and a half. We lost reception. It was like almost torture for me because I couldn't see what was going on. Uh, but when I got cable, I remember being so psyched because I was going to get to see Memphis Wrestling again. And when I first turned it on, I saw a guy that had something written on the butt of his tights wrestling Jeff Jarrett. And I'm like, who is this guy? And it was two guys tearing it up. It was you and Brian Christopher. It was the first time I'd ever seen the two of you wrestle. And it was like, man, you guys had such a great feud there. When was the first time you remember seeing Brian? Um, the very first time, obviously, again, I, you know, uh, I, I can't really remember literally the first time, but the first time, I guess you could say as a part of the business was uh, him and his partner, Tony uh, wrestled under the mask on Saturday mornings. And if you would have asked me 30 minutes ago, I probably could have recalled that tag team. You guys got to help me out here. Um, it's yeah. like a, a futuristic sci-fi name. What, what was their oh, tag alpha team and beta or something like that? I know they came out to hang and tough. They came out to hang and tough. No, it was oh, no, no, about no. the mask. Uh, oh, Alpha yeah. and Beta, the Twilight Zone or something like that. Or I think that I, I want to say the Twilight Zone. Maybe that was it. Anyway, that was, uh, I, I guess, probably from a professional perspective, that might have been the first time. But, but um, yeah, it's got to be. But but I, I just, you know, the, the minute you got in the ring, uh, Brian was an athlete. Right. Um, and, um, you know, obviously I, you know, I'll say mutual respect, but I don't want to put words in Brian's <laughs> mouth cause he had a way with words, but you know, we ultimately knew from the very, very beginning, our dads were, you know, business partners. Right. And so, uh, that g goes the good, the bad and the ugly. Uh, but you know, we always, especially I'll say the old proverbial once the bell ring, but. But once, once we, you know, uh, he was a huge Steelers fan, so I was a Cowboy <laughs> fan. So, you know, outside the ring, we could argue about anything, get along, not get along. Not that we didn't get along, but no. But, but when it came to the business, and and I'm talking about in the dressing room, laying out matches and talking about different things, um, I can say that from the very beginning, me and Brian collaborated. Uh, we made each other better. I certainly know he made me better. Uh, and I, I, I said that right after his passing, cause I sat there and I fought back. Um, and, and, and that just kept coming back to my, to my brain that at that stage of my career, whether it was a year and a half, two years, whatever it may be, I either wrestled with him or against him or somehow, some way, even on the small shows, he'd been a single match and I'd be in a single match. And at the end of the night, we'd end up in a tag, but me and him. We wrestled each other so many times, and um, I, you know, I just gotta say, his in-ring ability—he he had that knack. He obviously, neither one of us were the tallest guys or the best bodies or whatever it may be, um, but we had a chemistry that really, really clicked, and um, some of the best matches I ever had uh, in in USWA in the Tennessee territory were without question uh, against him. Well, do you have any funny stories that you can share about Brian? Uh, well, where'd I start? Uh, no, <laughs> you know, uh, the, 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 any one story, um, I, I, you know, I, 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 it would hard to be nailed down. The thing that I just always remember is, you know, whether he arrived at the building and, and he did on occasion, he would get there on time or, or <laughs> even early, uh, but, or if he came in last minute, it, 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 you never really had to worry about, 
I don't even want to say just a good match. He, he just uh, he's got this. Right. Yeah, you know, and and again, now I'm putting on my promoter or or booker or creative or whatever role that that I was playing. You know, um, some of the other guys, his opponents, or other guys on the card, and is Brian going to get here? Is he not going to get here? Uh, you know, he took that after his old man. I don't care when they walked in the door; they were going to go out and tear the house down. Right. It's just how it was. So, right. uh, but no, Brian. Um, as far as funny stories, I, I used to, to to just crack up to hear him talk sports because uh, you could get him wrapped around oh, an yeah. axle pretty quick. And oh, yeah. and sometimes you would think he's got to know he's getting worked up over this, and then other times you would go. He gets himself so worked up, he don't even realize he's foaming at the mouth <laughs> talking about something. He'd contradict himself, and then he wouldn't, and then he'd – but, you know, he loved his Steelers. Uh, oh, yeah. But, um, no, you know, any one funny, funny story, uh, I, I, it, it's hard for me to nail down. I could certainly come up with a few. But but just the day-in, day-out uh, laughter that he would bring in and, you know, um, watching him interact with other guys and, and you know, uh, he, he knew how to push guys buttons. Some nights he wouldn't even be in a bad mood, but he would act like he was in a bad mood and, and just aggravate the heck out of some people. Uh, but that was Brian that, right. that, that, and he knew it. So, uh, man, just talking about him, you miss, you miss that oh, yeah. kind of stuff. And, and you know, the, the, the tragic circumstances, which, yeah, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking still to this day. Yeah. We were honored to have him on early this year. Uh, it, I think it was the last interview he did, and it was just because he and he actually sent me a text message. He's like, "I don't do a lot of these, but just because it's you, I'll do it." So he came on and we talked to him about a bunch of stuff. But always when I think of Brian, I think you know we talked a little bit before the air about how I was I was the young kid that he brought with him to do the TNA show, and uh, I had to laugh because you said sometimes he would be on time. Uh, I think we left Bartlett, Tennessee, where he was living at the time. We were supposed to be at the at the show in Nashville at the fairgrounds, I think it was, at the asylum. Uh, we were supposed to be there at 5 o'clock. We left Bartlett at 3 o'clock. Of course. <laughs> that, does not, that does not shock me at all. <laughs> and, the whole t- uh, and the whole time he's, he's complaining about my driving, we had to stop by Chick-fil-A and get like 30 bags of food uh, that no one ever ate. It just sat in the car, and then he sat in the back seat listening to trance music the whole time. Yep. <laughs> That's our man. That's our man. <laughs> but but like you said, you know, watching some of the videos of you and him together, I looked at my wife and I go, it just doesn't seem real. You know, I would get a text message or an email from him or, or, you know, just a call where he would be fired up about something or he'd ask me to help him with some audio or something like that. And just looking and seeing these videos, it's like, man, it just doesn't seem real that he's gone. Yeah. It, you know, um, uh, there's... You know, death happens in life, but man, there, there are certain individuals that come along. And you just go, "Wow, uh, he left us much too soon." Right. Uh, it's it's just that simple. So, so much, you know. Uh, uh, and I put that in, 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 in uh, I said it right around, uh, right after his death. You know, the disease of addiction uh, is dark, uh, and and obviously it, it played a role in cutting his life short. Uh, which is is tragic, uh, but it's real. Uh, but man, uh, in Brian's, um, I don't even want to call it as useful, but but it, you know, on, on on his, he was so full of energy and and vivality, just everything that went around. And you know, none of us are perfect. Brian certainly was. I'm certainly, you know, all that. That that's not what I'm saying. It's just he had was so full of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, man, what a character and what a talent. Mm-hmm.
we always ask everybody this that's on the show. What kind of advice could you give for anybody trying to get in the business in this day and age, you know? Guys that want to get into the wrestling business, um, don't. <laughs> I was waiting, I was waiting <laughs> no, on that. No, no, no. Little pink dress hanging by me Just overhead on the old traffic In the old tent tonight Spotlight won't rise Some people want 